Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another wonderful and exciting episode of the Anthology of Horror. I'm your host and narrator, Springheeled Jack, and we're going to get started today after just a few brief disclaimers. First of all, the show might offend you. If you're easily offended, please turn the show off and spare me the negative reviews on the podcast store, or the iTunes store, whatever the fuck you call it, uh, because you won't like the show. This is your first and final warning. Second, I use advertisements in this show that I do not own the rights to. They are the creative property of Rockstar Games. That is all. Who gave you the pot? Who? The spanking creates an atmosphere of fear. Waterboarding creates an atmosphere of terrified respect. Please waterboard me, sir. I wouldn't be here today if my parents hadn't smacked the shit out of me on a regular basis. Teach your kids respect. The government approved way. Thank you, sir. Buy my book, Hitting Kids Works Wonders, today! Stop being a passenger in life. Stop waiting in traffic like everyone else. Take your ego to the next level and travel across town at hundreds of miles an hour. The San Andreas Flight School. Become a licensed pilot in as little as three hours. Take out your friends and family in spectacular fashion by getting certified. Don't believe what you hear? Flying is easy. It's mostly autopilot anyway. Click a few buttons, set the destination, and hang in back with the ladies. Imagine how hot she'll get when you tell her you can leave for a tropical paradise at a moment's notice on a plane. Always wanted to get into the exciting international courier business? You need to fly. Tired of dealing with the horrible airlines and their graying pilots? Get your pilot's license. A turbulence-free future is yours. The San Andreas Flight School. All right, ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to be doing another listener request, which could have been your listener request if you had messaged me on Instagram and requested it or made a donation to the Patreon and requested it there. Today we're going to be talking about a subject matter that genuinely makes me a little uncomfortable. I don't like talking about it because I'm a superstitious bumpkin. I've never had any real first-hand experience with it, much like most of the stories we cover here, but I do believe that there's power in thought and the more it's in the public's general consciousness the more people are going to experience it. And today we're going to be talking about Wendigos and Skinwalkers. And I actually found a pretty damn good fucking series by the look of it about said subject. Uh, if you guys remember the Cabin in the Woods stories, it's in a similar vein to that. So it's going to be numerous parts most likely, but I think you're going to enjoy it. From Reddit.com, it's titled, My First Night Alone in My New House Didn't Go So Well. And here it is. We just built our house, Will and I. Last month, we were able to move in. It's small, not even a thousand square feet. His parents call it a micro-home, and I call it perfect. That is small. It's just us and our two dogs. Well, three now, but I'll talk about that in a minute. First, I should explain a few things so the story makes sense. I've lived most of my life here in Colorado. I was born and raised in Denver. I took a hiatus when I went to college out of state, but I came back, and home is home. Our new house is just east of the Front Range and south of Denver. We're pretty far out of the city. It takes about 30 minutes or so to reach the outer limits of Denver. Our nearest and pretty much only neighbor, Steve, is just over a half mile away, which isn't really all that far. I can see his house from here as I type this. He's also my best friend and has been since high school. It's a really awesome setup for Will and I, and we love it. But last night didn't go so well. Will's out of town for work for four days, leaving me and the dogs alone in the new place for the first time. 
It didn't occur to me to be bothered by this since I've spent plenty of nights alone before. Alright, I like you. You're tough. The day was as normal as I could be. Or the day was as normal as could be. I drove Will to the airport without any trouble, came home, took the dogs for a stroll around the property, got some work done. I talked to Will on Skype for a while, made dinner, and retired to the deck out back afterwards. I was sitting in the chair enjoying the cool air, minding my own business. Down the road a bit, I could see the lights on in Steve's house. Not a thing to me seemed to be out of the ordinary. I was enjoying the night air so much that I leaned back in my chair and closed my eyes for a minute, took in the smells and sounds of nature around me, and that's when one of the dogs started barking. The sound made me sit up so fast I almost fell out of my chair. I studied the three dogs and figured out pretty quickly that it was Big Ben who had made the noise. Ears alert. He went staring off into the night with keen eyes. The two girls were equally alert, although they didn't seem to have heard or seen what he had. They looked to him while he continued to gaze towards the dark yard. He gave another low, almost inaudible growl and then a bark. Now there's certain sounds that dogs make that really put you on alert. This was one of them. It was an unsure, almost hesitant growl, like something was spooking him, but he didn't exactly know what. I followed the gaze, but nothing within the confines of the fenced-in backyard seemed to be amiss, unless there was an animal just beyond the wooden fence that I couldn't see, and as far as I could tell, there was nothing at all for him to be growling at. I watched him for a minute, and he kept looking at the same place. He'd sniffed the air, and his ears would swivel, as though something just beyond his ability to sense was out there. I started to feel a little creeped out at this point, but the other two dogs, Danny and Nina, didn't seem to be picking up on anything. I studied him for a few minutes and finally convinced myself that he was either overreacting about something or imagining things. Because dogs are famous for their imagination. So Big Ben is our newest addition. He showed up a few weeks before the house was finished. Just out of the blue one day while I was checking on the progress of things, he's a massive, shaggy, black bear of a dog. Although he appeared to be a stray, he had come right up to me, tail wagging, and greeted me as though he'd been my dog his entire life. Who could turn him away? We took him in immediately. The vet we took him to found no microchip, and no one around had heard of a missing dog, so we kept him. Will was the one who named him, and a fitting name it is. He's 100 pounds, and his shoulder almost comes up to my hip. I'm convinced he's got wolf in him. He's been like an oversized puppy from day one, never aggressive and as obedient and loyal as our other girls. But at times I have some trouble figuring him out. Sometimes he does weird shit, growls at nothing, stops dead in his tracks like he hears something, or stares off into the distance like he thinks he sees something. At the end of the day, we have no idea what his life was like before us. It was possible. It was possible he was on his own for for months. The vet thinks he's about three. His heightened sense of awareness could be just be from being on his own for so long and having to look out for himself. I don't know, man. I had a dog that was abandoned. I still have a dog that was abandoned in the desert, and she's pretty content fucking waking up and moving from the couch to the bed. <laughs> but I get what you're saying. Nonetheless, I felt a distinct shift in the atmosphere as a result of him growling into the darkness. I was genuinely uneasy, and for the first time since Will had left, was fully appreciating the fact that aside from the trio of was fully appreciating the fact that aside from my trio of dogs, I was alone. My eyes involuntarily drifted towards Steve's house where I imagined him taking off his shirt and getting oiled up. (laughs) I may have added that part in. The light from within gave me a sense of comfort, knowing I could pick up the phone and have him at my door in minutes. Calmed me down some. But I wasn't about to bother him over this. I was going to head back in for the night 
When I looked towards the black shadow of the mountains and then I heard it, it was very faint, almost indiscernible, and a sound coming from the woods, a pattering sound like something walking on the forest floor. It was so faint that I wasn't even sure if I was hearing it or if my ears were playing tricks on me. It could have been the light breeze rustling the leaves, I could have imagined it, but I didn't think I did. And then a wind came up, and I swear the moment it did, I heard what sounded like somebody shushing me. That freaked me out, because when I strained to listen, it was hard to distinguish the sounds of the winds and the leaves from anything else. I thought I imagined it. The dark was making me freak myself out, and the sound of faint footfalls still continued. It went on for a few minutes before it was so faint, I couldn't tell if it was wind or not. I shrugged it off. There's deer back there, stray cats, probably other animals I never even see. There was no reason to worry about it, but it, was, it still sufficiently creeped me out, so I went back inside. I watched Netflix for a little bit, but got sleepy. By 11, I was in bed, and it didn't take me long to fall asleep, but unfortunately, I didn't say, stay asleep. A sharp, urgent growl woke me up with a start. When your dogs alert you like that when you're awake, it's unnerving enough. Waking up to it is ten times worse. I agree. My immediate thought was there's something going on that I've missed, and it wasn't a pleasant feeling. My heart was racing as I strained to see in the dark. Big Ben was sitting at the front door of the sitting at the front the foot of the bed looking towards the window. The curtains were drawn, so there was no way he could possibly see anything there. Then Danny gave a growl and Nina chimed in as well. I'm not gonna lie, I was already scared. It's hard not to let your imagination run away with you in this situation. There was a light breeze, and to my horror, I realized I had left the window open. I never leave windows open at night, not even when Will is home. Our bedroom is on the ground floor, and I don't feel safe doing it. Good for you. Good practice. I felt even more vulnerable knowing I had stupidly left the damn window open. Big Ben growled again. This was different. It wasn't an unsure growling that he had done on the deck. This was louder, more urgent, more like... He knew what he was smelling and hearing, and it was something that absolutely warranted being growled at. Another breeze rustled the curtains, and there was an unnatural shift in the shadows outside. Something was moving out there on my deck, so I sat bolt upright, causing the dogs to go into full protection mode. Big Ben was barking his warning bark, and the girls joined. At the sound, whatever was outside fucking ran for it. Heavy, loud footfalls could, footfalls could be heard above the chaotic barking as it bolted along the deck. With my dogs flanking me, I reached through the slit in the curtain, slammed the window shut, and locked it. I yanked the curtains fully closed, rolled back across the bed, and pulled out my revolver that I keep in the nightstand. Fuck yeah. The dogs were going berserk, and I had to almost yell to get them to stop barking. I got my phone and called Steve. Still growling, Big Ben poked his head behind the curtain to look outside. I was shaking all over, sweating bullets as the phone rang. Nina stood at the closed bedroom door like a sentry, ears up, listening for further threats. Danny was standing upright, but still on the bed. I had never been so glad to have the dogs. Steve picked up, sounding sleepy, and I told him what happened. I was almost crying as I did, and he told me not to move because he was coming over. I couldn't have moved if I tried. I was too terrified. I just sat in bed with a gun in my hand and dogs surrounding me. I finally noticed the time, a quarter after two in the morning. I heard Steve let himself in. Not five minutes later, because we always have keys to each other's house. That's weird. And he knocked on the bedroom door. Leah, are you alright? Yeah, it's open, I told him. He came in and was wide-eyed and looked about as scared as I was. He was carrying his shotgun with him. The dogs were usually all over him when he visited, but they pushed past to go investigate the rest of the house. 
Which way do you think it ran? Steve asked me immediately, peering out the bedroom window. It took off towards the trees, I said, and still in disbelief. He looked in the direction of the woods that bordered the property. Could it have been a deer, he asked? I strained to remember the sound of whatever it was thundering across the deck. I felt sick in my stomach, and I, I wanted it to be a deer. I so wanted it to have been a wild animal that had simply wandered too close. It could have been, I replied. Truth was, deep down, I knew whatever had sprinted across my deck hadn't done so on four legs. Steve looked concerned, like he knew I didn't really believe that theory, but I didn't say anything. Or, but he didn't say anything. It could have been kids playing a prank or something, I asked, hoping it could be as simple as that. He glanced uneasily out the window again. I could tell he was trying hard not to scare me. I know my best friend. He thought it was something more malignant than kids being assholes. Big Ben came back into the bedroom. He licked Steve's hand and jumped onto the bed, curling up so he was practically on my lap. Steve, against my wishes, went to investigate the deck. I watched him the whole time from the window, still reeling and from reeling from the whole ordeal. If it had indeed been a human out there, my paranoid mind was convinced they were just beyond the tree, still watching the house. I was on edge until he came back inside. He had walked around the perimeter of the entire house with his shotguns and found no trace of anything. Nonetheless, I was still shaken up, and he agreed to stay the rest of the night. Ugh. I made up the couch for him, and we sat up and talked about the strange event for a while, exchanging various theories until both of us felt safe enough to sleep. Whatever had been outside my window was probably long gone, and I was even beginning to believe it could have been an animal of some sort. I had been half asleep when it all happened. It could easily have been a deer or a coyote or something, and I'd just let my imagination get the better of me. I slept until almost noon, and when I woke up, Steve was still asleep on the couch. So I sat down to write this out. It's what I do. I'm a freelance writer, and typing this out feels right. Cathartic, even. I've already decided not to tell Will what happened, at least not until... Not while he's away. He's a worrywart, and it would likely upset him. He'll be home in three days, and I'll tell him then. I'm looking out the window towards the tree line now, feeling unsettled all over again. My dogs are curled up nearby, and Steve, along with his shotgun, are one room over. I'm perfectly safe. But something feels off today. Something's not right. I can't quite put my finger on what it is. It's making it difficult to sit still for long, and I keep finding myself looking out the window. For the first time, I feel intimidated by my new house, the isolation and the remoteness of it. The forested area at the edge of my property was a big deciding factor when we bought this land. There's good hiking back in there, and the trees are beautiful in the winter, but now it's a foreboding place to me, a place where bad things can hide. The worst part of it is not knowing what or who had been practically pressed against my open bedroom window. Maybe it had been a deer and I was overreacting. But if it had been a human, why my window? Why my house? And why on the first night I was there alone? Could they have been watching and waiting for this particular night? I know your mind can go to some pretty dark places when it's the middle of the night and you're alone. Things always seem scarier then, but after what happened, can you blame me? Big Ben hasn't let me get much more than three feet from him since last night, and Nina and Danny are a little restless too. I let them outside in the fenced yard for a bit, running around and playing seemed to help their moods. But Ben didn't go out and play. He went to the edge of the yard, did his business, came right back to be glued at my side. I don't think I've seen his ears relax at all since Will left. I took a walk around the deck just now, wraps around the whole house with gates you have to go through to get to the part that overlooks the fenced yard. When I opened it, I noticed it wasn't latched all the way. I figured Steve had neglected to pull it shut, 
uh, the hallway when he was checking things out last night. Along the side of the deck, where the animal or person had been, I have large planters with white hydrangeas growing. It didn't take long to notice that the hydrangea blooms were wilted and brown like they'd been nipped by the frost. I know it wasn't that cold last night, and this discovery has weirded me out all over again. I'm going to show Steve when he gets up, and maybe we can figure out who or what was skulking around my house in the dead of the night. On the inside, you're an adventurer because nothing impresses people like having hobbies. I want to get that outdoorsy vibe, but I'm not an outdoorsy person. I really hate nature. On the outside, nothing impresses people like Crevice. Crevice. The outdoor outfitter that gives you exciting hobbies and ensures you look the part. Hobbies aren't about doing something. They're about seeming interesting. Sports aren't about actually participating. It's about looking the part in the bar. Let's face it. Guys into extreme sports could probably get a lot of chicks if they weren't self-absorbed turds. Crevice. We help you take the inside outside. Crevice. Never stop pretending. Bored but bossy? Desperate for power and upset nobody will listen to you? Keen to patronize? Try a career in human resources. Your job is to fire people or make them feel bad for telling funny jokes. Take the joy and pleasure out of the workplace. Work is called work for a reason. It shouldn't be fun. You'll have more power than management. Make people fill out long questionnaires about their feelings so you can sell the data or black Blackmail them at a later point. Get paid to snoop on employee email. Train for three evenings and you'll be qualified to begin an exciting career as a human resources professional. Contact Ovine Human Resources Academy today. All right, on to part two. There's quite a bit in this update, so bear with me. Just so there's no confusion, everything from the original post happened Monday, Monday night. Yesterday, Tuesday, was pretty quiet, but today things got weird again. Suffice it to say, tonight didn't go so well either. I showed Steve my wilted flowers when... <laughs> I showed Steve my wilted flower when he woke up. That sounds naughty. Um, Jesus. <laughs> on Tuesday morning, so he had no explanation for it, especially since the roses on the opposite side of the house are untouched and healthy. The closest explanation either of us can come up with was that some sort of parasite or fungus got to him. He spent some time inspecting the woods around the house and found nothing suspicious or out of place. I didn't sleep great last night, but otherwise all's well. This morning, though, I woke up way too early. It was around 5 a.m., and it was still pretty dark outside. I could hear the footsteps out in the woods again. It sounded like it was just barely far out enough that I couldn't see it, but I could hear it just fine. Big Ben kept growling at the door. I called Steve at around 9, and he came over to check things out once more. By the time he arrived, the sounds were gone. He tried to convince me it was a deer, and that the sound of the truck pulling in drove it back into the woods. I genuinely want to believe him. Steve hung around for a while, but had to leave for work in the early afternoon. He works at an animal clinic in the city. He promised to stop by and check in on me on his way home, so aside from the dogs, I was left alone and abandoned again. After he left, I called and talked to Will for a while. I think he knew something wasn't quite right, but he didn't press the issue. Oh, and he had some irritating news. His team is having to extend their trip for an extra day, maybe two. So I'll be here abandoned and alone even longer. I tried getting some work done after the phone call, but found it was too hard to concentrate, and I was pretty tired. 
I decided to take a short nap in hopes that I would feel better when I woke up. I slept just under an hour and was awoken by the heat. I hadn't left any windows open, and it was hot enough outside. 90 degrees, allegedly. And it was hot enough outside that I should have turned on the AC. So now, on top of being stressed and worried, I felt hot, cranky, and still tired. I went ahead and booted up the air, even though enough windows open would have done the job. I'm not too keen on having any windows open at the moment, as you might understand. While the place cooled down, I took a shower. And then the weirdness began again. After I took my shower, I dried off and headed to the bedroom to get dressed, which is when I saw something move out of the corner of my eye. I froze. At first I was confused, but then I was scared. It wasn't one of the dogs because it couldn't have been. The movement occurred at roughly eye level, and not even Big Ben is that big for fuck's sake. It was subtle movement, almost like a shadow or a shifting light. It had happened in less than five seconds. I stared at the spot that I thought I had seen it happen just outside the big window in the living room. Nothing else moved, and I strained to think what it could have been. The curtains were tied back securely, and even if the window had been open, it wouldn't have been flapping in the breeze causing motion. Whatever had moved outside... Whatever had moved was outside. It was like I had caught sight of the tail end of something passing by the window. Of course, I was too scared to go look. And then Ben started growling again. The noise made me jump into action. I darted into the bedroom where my revolver was. Ben was up and looking to me with, the, uh, with almost a human expression, alarmed, aware, and alert all at once. He turned his attention back to the window and he let out a woof under his breath. And then he laid down in the bedroom doorway. It had upset Danny and Nina too. They were restless. I looked at the empty room where Ben stared and was wondering if I imagined it when a rushing noise, almost like a heavy gust of wind, emanated through the whole house. So up until now, everything that has happened can technically be explained, but this this made my skin prickle. I had never heard anything like that in my house before. It was a rushing sound that couldn't have possibly come from the vents, and I wasn't hearing wind outside either. This sounded like a breath of wind inside, but nothing in the house had shifted and I felt no movement of air. Ben barked loudly at the sound. I stood rooted to the spot, afraid to move for what seemed like ages. I was terrified that somehow moving would trigger the sound again. Finally, I crossed the room, slowly and silently, reaching into the jewelry box on the dresser and shook it out onto the bed. I found what I was looking for pretty quick, an antique silver cross necklace that had been my grandma's. I pulled it over my head, shaking like a leaf the entire time. I don't know what made me do it, just that it made me feel safer to have it on. I didn't know what else to do at that point. I'm not even overly religious, but in that moment of fear, I wanted my grandma's cross. There are no atheists in foxholes. That's what that is. Ben leapt onto the bed and stood listening for a moment. Danny and Nina hid in the small walk-in closet like they did when it thundered. I sat on the edge of the bed for a long time, listening like Ben was. Nothing else happened, but I was too scared to really investigate further. It was only when the light in the room began to change, indicating that sunset had begun, that I left the room. The revolver went with me. I peeked out the window where I'd seen, or thought I'd seen, movement. The deck was calm and empty, and if somebody had walked across it when it was safe, walked across it when it was that quiet inside, I should have heard that. Maybe I did imagine it, but at this point, I couldn't really believe that I had. All the doors and windows were secure, so I double and triple checked that. I checked the backyard through the kitchen window to make sure it was empty before letting the dogs out. She's the one that let the dogs out. 
Just to answer the question the Baja men asked years ago, it was this bitch. Anyway, old people will get it. (laughs) As uneasy as it made me to open the back door, I'd rather do it before dark. They all did their business and came right back inside, which was unusual since they normally stay outside and fuck off for a little bit. At this point, I did something pretty childish when they came back in. I pulled all the window coverings closed and then turned a light on in every single fucking room. The idea of dark corners in the house was just far too frightening for me. I had a few hours to wait for Steve, so I tried to carry on as usual. Got dinner for me and the dogs, started some laundry, turned on the TV for background noise in the meantime. My revolver and my phone were never out of reach the entire evening. I watched TV while I waited for Steve, but I was unable to concentrate on anything. I was too busy listening and waiting. But all I heard was Steve's car pull into the driveway at around 11, which was a huge relief. I let him in and told him about the movement I'd seen and the inexplicable noise that had followed. He looked genuinely disturbed as I, t- as I talked and scolded me for not calling him. I told him a few Redditors here suggested motion sensor lights and cameras, and he agrees that that's not a bad idea. He was about to go home to check on his own animals when something slammed against the south side of the house. When I say slam, I mean hard. Like so hard the floor vibrated. And let me tell you, I nearly pissed myself. (laughs) The dogs went into instant alarm mode, barking and running in the direction of where the noise came from. I immediately grabbed the gun, but my hand was shaking so bad I couldn't have hit the broadside of a barn if I wanted to. I was terrified. It happened a second time, bam, this time further along the wall. Steve said something along the lines of, what the fuck? And I was on the verge of crying, I was so scared. And then it happened a third time, bam, further down the wall. It was like somebody was walking along the deck and periodically smacking the fuck out of my house with something heavy. Steve took the revolver from me without a word and moved slowly towards the other side of the house. I crumpled onto the floor beside the couch, too afraid to do anything else. Ben was there by my side, a giant furry shield against whatever was tormenting us. Don't go outside, I pleaded, but Steve had no intention of leaving the house. He shut off the lights in the bedroom, bathroom, and my tiny home office, all of which share the south wall of the house. I could tell he was peering out the windows. After a moment, he called to me and said, There's nothing here. There was no more slamming against the house. At that point, though, I'd had enough. This latest event felt like the most malicious one. It felt like a challenge or a warning. I knew that I would not be staying in that house tonight. I told Steve I had to get out of there, and he said that, of course, the dogs and I could stay with him. I packed my phone, laptop, a change of clothes, the revolver, grabbed my purse, gathered up the dogs, and walked out the driveway with Steve. Steve waited right by my Jeep while I loaded the dogs in and saw that I was safely locked in before getting into the truck. I followed him, and we fucked off good and proper. So I'm writing this now from Steve's kitchen. I'm looking at my house down the road. It looks a lot calmer from here, but I know if I was inside of it, I wouldn't feel very calm. I'm now surrounded by two extra dogs, Steve's, and his cats are roaming around as well. I'm far from alone. I'm safe, but that house is not. We're going to go get some surveillance equipment tomorrow and maybe look into filing a police report about all this just to have it on record. I might have to break down and tell Will what happened, and I haven't decided yet. This is getting really weird, really fast. There's too many things about this that are just fucking off. Something isn't right, and I can't strain my mind on it anymore tonight. I already feel a headache coming on. I can see the deck of my house from here. I left the exterior lights on and a few lights on the inside, hoping it would deter anyone or anything from vandalizing the place. Now I wish I hadn't kept those lights on. 
I swear I just saw a figure pass by my bedroom window. Danny woke up. Danny woke me up howling in, the, in her sleep like she was having a bad dream. I shook her awake and she acted like nothing was wrong. It startled me badly enough that I can't get back to sleep yet. Sad face. Also, I don't think I've ever heard Danny howl before. Big Ben cuddled up to her and they're snoozing at the foot of the bed now. I'm just trying to wind back down at this point. Defense! 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 Uh, boring. Isn't it time you embrace the wit and vitality of European-style chanting only at the next L.S. Bender's home game? You're gonna get your fucking head kicked in! It's cultured, it's fun for the whole family, and it's finally over here. Americans are such Philistines, we haven't understood the cultural significance of mass hatred, xenophobia, and alcohol abuse. Well, soccer in the U.S. is no longer for housewives. Now, it's for everyone. Come see the sport that until now, America couldn't get its head around because it's not 75% commercials. The L.S. Benders. Season tickets only $50. You're going to get your fucking head kicked in! invest in currency, stocks, or real estate. They aren't tangible assets. When the market crashes, you're left with nothing. Invest in something real. Get in on the next boom now with Floyd's Scrap Metal Emporium. Strip mining's been popular with companies. Now you can take strip mining urban as we strip mine a church or empty condo. It's the next economy that junkies discovered. Now you can cash in on it. Gut your plumbing. Melt down your knives and forks for cash. Take apart old electronics. Dissect batteries yourself and take out the lead. These days, buyers are paying top dollar for metal. Melt down your kid's tricycle or your aging mother's wheelchair and turn it into cold, hard cash. She's going to be dead soon anyway. Quit pushing her around. We'll see you at Floyd's Scrap Metal Emporium. Part 3. Steve and I found some things today. Disturbing things. Hmm? After I updated early this morning, when Danny woke me up howling, I had a terrible time getting back to sleep. I had almost drifted off when I nearly vaulted out of bed. I heard what I thought to be a baby crying. Upon waking up more, I figured it was one of the cats meowing or howling, sort of like they do when they're picking a fight with another cat. I think I fell back asleep before it stopped, because it seemed to go on and on and on. Steve and I drove back to my house after we had breakfast. Danny and Nina refused to get in the car, so I left them at Steve's. Ben, of course, came along with no problem. We were walking the perimeter of the deck together and spotted something on the exterior wall. It freaked me out so bad I wanted to leave right then. But Steve was interested in expecting it further. It was a faint handprint, but not an actual print, more like a painting in the shape of a hand. I say that because it had no lines or fingerprints like a real handprint would, just the solid shape of a hand. Oh, and it was bright wet, red, which is just lovely. There's also a mild, almost smoky smell hanging in the air. I feel like I've smelled it before, but I can't place what it is. It's not unpleasant, but given the situation, it's not helping the creepy factor. We went to inspect the front deck when the other smell hit us. It was terrible, like garbage mingling with weak old roadkill or puke from a mule that had been ruminating on asparagus in a summer porta potty. Steve got his flashlight from the truck and shone it under the deck, but nothing had crawled there and died. There was nothing to indicate why it would smell like absolute shit in that particular spot. If you backed away from the deck 10 feet, the smell was non-existent. It was just around the area of the front door. 
Then we inspected the inside of the house and found nothing out of place. I grabbed some more clothes, my phone charger, which I'd forgotten in my hurry to get the fuck out last night, and some dog food for the dogs. If you hadn't guessed already, I had no intention whatsoever of staying here alone until this whole thing gets figured out. I did one more walk around on the deck before leaving. When I opened the gate into the backyard, I spied something caught on the latch. Something glinting in the sunlight, almost like spider silk. I took a closer look and discovered a single strand of silvery gray hair was caught in the latch. I removed it and took a good look. It was almost twice as long as my hair. My hair, and anyway, I don't have grays yet. Although after this whole ordeal, I wouldn't be surprised if I see some cropping up. This didn't belong to anybody I knew or that had ever been around here as far as I knew. I was going to show Steve when my dumbass let the wind catch it and it flew off onto the tall grass. Damn it. We got into the car and headed to the city so I could look for some cameras and some motion-censored lights. We drove by my house on the way back and everything seemed normal. Steve then left for work around noon and I sat in the living room trying to figure out how I would set up the new equipment. I got four motion sensor lights, an infrared wildlife camera, and some other things. We're going to go back and set it all up in the daytime. No way either one of us is going to that house tonight. I started watching my house from Steve's window. Nothing interesting happened, got bored, and played on his Netflix, or played on his Xbox for a bit. You're an asshole. All afternoon it was quiet. It was another hot day, and the dogs were glad to spend most of the time inside with me. I made some dinner for Steve and I to have when he got home, fed all the animals, played with the cats, did a little work on my laptop, and when I sat down and wrote the second mini-update on the last post, I thought there wasn't going to be much else going on in this one. Guess again. So Steve has a deck like mine, only it runs along the length of just one side of his house. Do you guys live in a trailer park? Because that's kind of what it sounds like. I was on the couch, trying to get a little more work done, answering the post replies and listening to music. I had a ceiling fan on and the windows were all closed. There's a sliding glass door that opens onto the deck. I was was facing the door. Steve has those vertical blinds over it instead of curtains. I had them closed, but the fan was stirring them just enough so that they opened a sliver in certain places, like in a cycle. Like they'd be blown open a bit in one particular spot, then closed, open, closed, oh, you get it. There's also little solar panel Jesus. There's also little solar powered lanterns on this deck, on his deck. They were on, but they were getting dim. I should have had the floodlight on, but I thought being in his house, I could get away with not being a paranoid nut. Wrong. I was absentmindedly looking at the sliding door while I worked, just brainstorming and noticing I could see one of the little solar lights every time the vertical blinds blew open. Until they blew open and the light was gone. It took a moment to register what was happening. I entertained the thought that they'd gone out long enough that they, uh... I took a moment to register what was happening and I entertained the thought that they'd... They'd gone on... They'd gone out long enough to remember that they fade out. They don't just turn off. So for the second time in 24 hours, I nearly shit myself. There was something standing between the window and the light. Fuck. Every door and window was locked, but goddammit, if I wasn't so petrified, I couldn't move. I was thinking if the blinds opened an inch more, I'd get a better look at what was blocking the lights. In the same thought, I prayed to God that they wouldn't. Ben was asleep on the floor right beside the couch, and in my horrified state, I still had the presence of mind to try something. I reached down and gently shook him awake, wondering if he'd pick up up on anything when he awoke. And boy, did he ever. 
He looked at me curiously, thumped his tail, still pleasantly drowsy, and all I did was point at the window. He looked where I was pointing and immediately stood bolt upright. His hackles were raised. He shouldn't have had any idea anything was wrong, but he believed something was there as much as I did. He took a few stalking steps towards the sliding door and then did something I've never seen him do. He snarled at it, like full-on, teeth-showing, eyes-flashing, throaty snarl. It was a pretty th- intimidating thing to see. Then there was a sound like somebody smacking the sliding door with their hand and then dragging it along, making that awful squeaking noise of skin on glass. Ben barked sharply at that sound. There was a series of loud thumps, and I knew the person or thing outside was retreating. On the next beat of the blinds, I could see the light again. Whatever had been outside was now gone. Ben barreled towards the door, going absolutely bananas. All the other dogs showed up and now were barking too. Danny was practically beside herself. She went under Steve's computer desk and peed, or, and peered out fearfully. I called to her, but she wouldn't come out. I shushed them all so I could call Steve. I was pretty upset at that point. I thought seriously about calling the police and also considered calling Will to tell him that he needed to come home early. I still haven't ruled either out. Steve said he'd leave he'd leave work a little early so that he can get home sooner. I hope he can. I'm beside myself here, and I'm trying to occupy myself by getting this part written down. And I don't know if it's the wind playing tricks on my ears, but I swear I can hear talking somewhere outside or somebody calling a name that I can't quite make out. And whistling, but not like a bird. More like the way that somebody whistles when they want your attention. It's so windy I can barely hear it, but I'm sure it's not in my head. I'm currently huddled in the guest room with Netflix going in the background on my laptop just so I can't hear the noises outside. It's too scary. Oh, and while I had Steve on the phone, I brought up the howling cats I heard last night, and he informed me that he had shut all three cats in the house before bed. Update. Steve is home now, so I'm not alone anymore. First thing he asked when when he got in was if I heard voices and whistling outside. We're talking about possibly getting the police involved, and we're worried as soon as we start talking about this unexplainable stuff, they're going to think we've been smoking too much and it'll blow us off. Oh, but you have been smoking a little bit. Hmm? Update 2. I just woke up from a really bad nightmare and wanted to write about it. I dreamt I was in my house. It was like it was night, but not night. The sky was dark, but I could see things clearly. I heard something like wind chimes outside, so I went to look. I could see something hanging in the trees, clanking together and making the noise. I thought it was sticks at first, but pretty soon it became clear it was bones. Dangling from tree branches, they banged together and made this weird hollow sound. Dream me was beginning to think they were human bones when the dream morphed into something different. I was running along in the dark on all fours. All I could see was a trail ahead of me. Something was driving me to keep running in that direction that I was going, but I wasn't fully aware of what it was. In the darkness on either side of me, the whispering began, a soft sound at first, so indistinct it might have been the wind. Then it got faster, more urgent, until hundreds of voices were whispering. They were chattering, and I couldn't understand any of the words, and I found I didn't really care. I just needed to keep running. I wasn't scared, but determined. The chattering got louder and more anxious sounding until the voices were like a howling wind, and I kept running. And then I was normal me again, laying in my own bed in my own house, and something warm was across my chest. It was heavy, but not in a bad way. In fact, there was something extremely comforting about it. I touched the warm thing. It was soft. It seemed like I was safe in the dream until I noticed a figure in the doorway. It was tall, thin, human-like. But at the same time, something was terribly wrong with it that made it seem far less human. It was distorted, stretched. I wanted to hide, but the warm, heavy thing on me kept 
the warm, heavy thing on me kept me from hurtling myself off the bed. I couldn't see any distinct features in the figure, but I could just, but I could tell it was looking right at me. And then I woke up for real, still in Steve's guest room with my hand full of Big Ben's coat. I got up to write this out and discovered my grandma's cross necklace was off. I've been sleeping with it on. Naturally, I freaked out and started looking for it. I found it tangled up in the blanket that I'd kicked onto the floor in my sleep. I don't remember taking it off, and it's kind of necklace with a clasp. You can't just take it on and off over your head. I don't know if I'll be going to sleep after that nightmare. I feel half sick. Update 3. It's 6 a.m. here, and I haven't been able to get back to sleep. Will is coming home today, and I'm going to have a sit-down with him to fill him in on everything. What are you, a fucking mob boss? I'm going to have a sit-down with him and fill him in on everything. We'll be working on installing the new lights and infrared cameras, and I'm going to go try to get some decent rest tonight. I feel like shit right now. I haven't had a decent night's sleep since Sunday, and I'm just so worn out emotionally and physically. I look about five years older and feel about five years older. So it might be a day or two before I post another full update, but I promise not to leave you guys hanging. You'll hear about anything that happens before the weekend's over. Scout's honor. I have to be at the airport in a few hours to pick up Will. I'm taking Ben with me. It's time to take your weight problem seriously. It's time to stop pussyfooting around with so-called lifestyle changes. It's time for surgery today. Don't wait a minute. Don't try other methods. Try the gastro band. Don't for one second think you can do it on your own. We both know you can't. Otherwise, you wouldn't have gotten into this mess. Get real about your weight problems and your complete lack of willpower. Give in. Get surgery. Get out. It's the world we live in. Slice and dice your problems away. Then you can look like other people. Have the gastro band inserted today and watch your weight and problems melt away. Finally, you can be happy like normal people. It's time to put down the knife and fork and go under the knife and scalpel. Give up and get thin. Gastro band surgery. Remember, surgery solves everything. All right, guys, on that note... That's the end of today's episode. Please tune back in for the the next part of this series. I don't know if we're going to finish it, but the next couple of stories from this series will be on the next episode. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to reach out to me and tell me what you like and don't like, you can do so by going to Instagram.com slash DukeLandis17. Or you can also show your appreciation for the show and or make an episode request on Patreon.com slash Anthology of Horror. Thank you very much for listening, and until next time, motherfucker, stay spooky.